0: Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Magically Cruising, the cruise podcast where we share our personal cruise tips and reviews to help you make the most out of your next sailing. My name's Kieran, I'm an independent travel agent specialising in all things cruise, Disney and North America and I'm joined by my fellow co-host.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah and I write over at Cruising for all cruising with kids and mini travellers.
0: And this week we are going to talk about one of probably my favourite cruise regions and... I've wanted to do this region for a long time. And we were very fortunate to do it kind of last year as the kind of cruise world resumed. Um, but it's Alaska and it is such a big topic because it's such a big region as well. And it's such a well-traveled region. There are so many different cruise lines to go there. So we're probably not going to be able to go into all the details of Alaska, but I think we can definitely kind of do a first time as if you're thinking of cruising Alaska, what are the things you need to think about or what are the things you need to consider? Um, so, i since i've done it should i jump off and kind of just explain maybe what i did as a starting point and kind of what part of alaska i sailed would that be a good place to start okay we sailed with holland america on connings dam um, and we did the inside passage um, so we left from vancouver and then we went up under the inside passage track which took us then to Juneau, skagway ketchikan and then we've done glacier bay as well now for a lot of people glacier bay Depends on which cruise line you listen to, they will tell you that Glacier Bay is the be-all and end-all. If you're going to do Alaska, you're not doing it if you don't do Glacier Bay. Um, It is incredible, but I've learned since then that there are other glaciers and other areas you can go to see as well and equally have that same amazing Alaska experience as well, but Definitely for me anyway, it was a highlight of our Alaska cruise, was doing Glacier Bay as well. Um, and then we did a seven-day round trip, and went straight then back to um, Vancouver as well. But you do have options to do it from um, Seattle as well. Mm. Um, just the nature of which port you pick will be what type of ships will be sailing from those two ports. But again, the itineraries are very similar to what you'll be doing on both of those options, whether you're doing a Seattle or Vancouver.
1: I mean, for me, this is like a whole new entity because, as you know, I have just no desire to cruise Alaska. Um but just yeah. because I don't do cold, but, you know, my mind might be changed one day. But for now, was it cold all the time?
0: It wasn't. No. And it was one thing I was...
1: <laughs> Looking at the picture. Yeah.
0: I was really surprised type of thing of, is it cold? Yes. It's not. Obviously, you're not going to be in the sun lounges type of thing. You're not going to be kind of, you know, sat there on the sun deck type of thing. Definitely not. We went in May um, and we were told by other people who are seasoned Alaska sailors um that it was unusually warm for that time of the year type of thing so they were saying like you are lucky you've got really clear skies it's not always clear skies type of thing sometimes it's overcast sometimes it's quite wet so you definitely do have to kind of go with the mindset of it's not going to be warm weather cruising that's not why you're sailing alaska you're kind of doing it for the um landscapes and kind of the cut the enrichment program you're going to be doing by going off and visiting glaciers and visiting the indigenous cultures and all that type of stuff that's why you're going type of thing if you're looking for you know sunny weather and beaches and palm trees that is totally totally not that region type of thing we were so lucky and we were able to wear like i was wearing t-shirts with like an overshirt type of thing and we were doing glacier bay wearing things like that which is unheard of because it can be quite nippy but we were lucky it was quite warm and mild we did have a couple of really windy days i remember the day we were in ketchikan it was blowing an absolute gale type of thing i've got I was trying to do my time-lapse with my camera and you could just see the tripod just doing that in the wind. Like the wind was so high and it was that type of really cold wind that blew through you. So it can be quite chilly. Yes. But the thing you need to consider then as well is a lot of the ships are sailor Alaska, you are looking more at kind of ships that have internal spaces with great observation platforms. So um we were doing it on conning's dam with holland america so their kind of pool area does have the um openable retractable roof oh right so obviously on the days then when it was colder they could kind of close the roof then as well but you still had all the kind of floor to ceiling panoramic glass so you could kind of sit by the poolside area some people sat in the hot tubs or in the pool type of thing but you could still sit in that kind of pool deck but it was just with a covered roof and a lot of the ships that do sail alaska tend to have those facilities where they've got like the conservatories or they've got kind of areas of the ship whereby you can still sit outside so to say but they're in kind of either open air areas or areas where they can open up the mezzanine floor and open up all the doors to kind of make it open air and connect to the wider pool area.
1: So what ships just off the top of your head do sail Alaska?
0: Um, So we sailed in with Holland America and a lot of people will say basically that if you are going to consider doing Alaska you pretty much need to do a princess. I think princess and Holland America have the backbone of Alaska sewn up so What you'll find as well, the differential between the ships sailing, so because of the nature of Vancouver Cruise Terminal, it's not the biggest cruise terminal, even though it's very popular and sometimes there could be three or four ships in there, you're not going to be finding quantum class ships, you're not going to be finding kind of like those really big Royal Caribbean ships, the 5,000 PAX ships, you're going to be looking at more the kind of two to 3,000, the more mid-sized to kind of small ships sailing from Vancouver. That tends to mean then you're looking at some of the more older ships as well, because that's what the cruise lines will put on there. So I can't remember the names of which princess ships they are, but they are kind of more that mid-age princess ships as well. So you're going to be finding like crown princess, from my understanding, and ships like that, whereas Discovery and Enchanted Princess, because they're bigger, will be sailing more from Seattle. So again, you just have to kind of be aware of that. If you're somebody, and I've done a lot of research into this for customers, but if you want to kind of go on the more newer contemporary ships, you're more likely going to be sailing from Seattle which means you're going to be dis- um, disembarking and embarking in America versus if you're going to be doing kind of the um Vancouver side of America and you want to do Canada then you're going to be doing kind of more of the mid sized ships I think the newest ships sailing in the mainstream category anyway is going to be like um Conningstown by Holland America which is a very traditional timeless style ship
1: What's obviously apart from there in the different country what's the difference between going out the ports? is one cruise longer than the other or
0: generally not like there's, there's lots of different ways you can do um, Canada, uh, sorry, Alaska. The main bread and butter is going to be the Seven Night Inside Passage or a version of that well, that will take in you know Skagway, Ketchikan, Juneau and one of the glaciers type of thing, depends on because they have contracts and only so many ships of so Glacier Bay, only two ships a day can go into it. So generally what Holland America and Princess have done is they've dominated all those slots to make sure that they are pretty much the only cruise line that can get in there. There's a few other boutique lines and a few smaller lines that can also get into Glacier Bay. But they've stacked the schedule because they have like four or five ships sailing the region to make sure that they're the only two ships that can fill those gaps. Um, So that's the bread and butter. And I think if you're a first time sailor to doing um, Alaska, then you probably want to look at a seven night inside passage. You then also have the longer then, so north to south. And then this is where you're going to be kind of going up further up and you'll go maybe more to Anchorage and more off the beaten path. And you'll do a one way trip then as well. So you kind of start off in Seattle and Vancouver and then go all the way up into Anchorage and stop off there and maybe fly, cruise, open jaw, back and forth, the two type of thing. Benefit of that is you're spending more time in Alaska and you're immersing yourself into the more of the -the off-the-beaten-path ports. Um, It's a small observation, but the one thing I will say is the inside passage, even though you are seeing some incredible parts of Alaska, they are very, very cruise port-heavy type of thing. So if you've ever been to a Caribbean port and where you kind of get off the ship and there's all the excursion desks waiting for you and you feel like you're just being dumped in an excursion ground, I will say... Some of the um, ports on the inside passage felt like that, that unless you're willing to pay to go on and explore further afield, you're not really getting a very good experience because you are dumped in a a town with lots of tacky tourist shops and things like that. Um, You have to kind of go further afield. But as for the difference, there's not much really apart from kind of maybe if you're extending your journey. So for us, we did um, the Rocky Mountaineer. So we landed into Banff and did kind of the the Banff National Park region. Then we went down to the Rocky Mountaineer from Banff due to Vancouver and then did that. So that's why that trip worked and for us to kind of disembark um, in Vancouver because it tied in with the Rocky Mountain train journey. If that doesn't bother you and you're just flying in for the cruise, it makes no difference really other than just where you start off and what ships are available from which port.
1: So I thought you did the Rocky Mountain train as part of the cruise, but you didn't. You did that before the cruise.
0: Yes. Right. Yes. Okay.
1: And if somebody wanted to do that, how do they do that? So
0: you generally have to go to a tour operator, for us in the UK at least anyway, so tour operators will package that together for you. So um, the way it would work is as well, on Holland America's schedule times in with when the Rocky Mountaineer travels. So what it does is it travels from Banff um, and does an overnight stay in Kamloops and then ends in Vancouver. Then the following day, you would get on the ship and do the ship's seven-night sailing type of thing. So their schedules are time so that they kind of line up with each other. Equally the other way as well. By the time you get off the ship, the following day, then the train will go from Vancouver, take you up to Banff type of thing. That schedule is intentionally built to put those two ships together. Princess have the same thing as well, and so do other cruise lines as well. Um, but it's just it's a big, big itinerary for people to do. You can also do these independently. You can do kind of Banff, explore that region, do Rocky Mountaineer, and do a land holiday in vancouver and explore that you don't have to do a cruise but it's just it is a big mini for us here in the uk as well if you're going to kind of pay that much money to get to alaska and do that alaska tour adding on something like rocky mountaineer or visiting the canadian rockies is such a big appeal and it is such a popular route to do banff and then go off and do an alaska cruise
1: and what what's what like ballpark price would it be to do the overnight and the rocky mountain
0: well yeah anywhere from two and a half up basically um for an overnight so you kind of do you don't spend the night on the train so the way it works two and a half pounds i would say two two and a half thousand pounds yeah it's not cheap it's not cheap it is incredible and we could probably do a whole episode and i've got like videos on my youtube about our time on um rocky mansonia and i've got blogs about it it is an incredible incredible once in a lifetime experience that i would happily pay before i went on it right I, i was a bit like how much for two days on a train like In what world is that worth the money? After experiencing it, there are very few travel experiences that have generally made me weep with sheer joy Mm. of just how incredible the experience is. And the Rocky Mountaineer, definitely day two, when we got on board the train and we were sailing through past this lake, I generally got so overwhelmed by how beautiful the experience is, both the onboard experience of kind of the food service and the quality of everything that you're having, the level of service that you're having, plus the region you're traveling through made me weep with just sheer joy because it was so incredible um it is expensive very much type of thing so to do the two together
1: is it like an orient express type thing is that like table service and right okay yes right
0: so yeah Rocky Mountain has two levels of service you've got kind of silver leaf and you've got gold leaf there are subtle differences between the two so if you go for silver leaf you kind of dine at your seat where you are type of thing so your meal service is done at your seat and drinks are with meals basically whereas if you go to gold leaf which is what we were able to do um you are on a two-story carriage basically so there's a dining floor underneath you where you go to have your meals and then you sit in the upper floor then and it has kind of floor to ceiling windows you get full on panoramic views out type of thing so it is incredible the seats like leather seats and it reclines not fully but it reclines all the way back it's got heating in there um, so you've got a heated seat honestly it's it's definitely one of those Experiences like that, you can't, you just have to do it and just mm. kind of swallow the cost because it's not cheap. I'm never going to say it's a cheap, cheap holiday, but it is, in my opinion, with every single penny for that experience, the level of service and right. just the sheer landscape you see. I just indulged for 48 hours that I was on board that train type of thing, but you don't spend the night on the train. That's the big, I think, Orange Express and things like that you do is sleep a train with Rocky Mountain, you don't. So on our route, we did, there are three routes you can do with the Canadian Rocky. So we did the kind of quintessential one which i'm gonna forget the name of it now um but it takes you from banth basically and you stop in Kamloops overnight so you get off the train um spend the evening in Kamloops, which is a small town in the middle of the, uh, the other side or halfway through the, the route on the other side of the rockies you then get back on the train in the morning and then it drops you up in vancouver or you can do it the other way around as well kind of go ah. back the other way um it's it's incredible and again we could do a whole whole podcast if you want about kind of rocky Mountain. Yeah, i could talk for hours about it Um, But we were lucky to do it that way anyway. But you don't have to do that. You can take a bus through it. Obviously, it's not as glamorous. You can go to Banff and explore kind of the Banff National Park area and then get a bus. You can also fly as well. So you can fly into Calgary, do the kind of Banff National Park thing, and then go back to Calgary and fly down to Vancouver if you don't want to do the Rocky Mountain or go through that kind of journey to do that. But it's quite a common route for a lot of people to do things like the Calgary Stampede as well and kind of go explore that Banff National Park territory. And I highly... It should be on everyone's bucket list to go to Banff National Park at least once. Even if you don't go and do a cruise or you don't do anything else, Banff and Banff National Park, Lake Louise, all that region is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in the world. It really is incredible.
1: And what's there? Is it just like... because a national park in... Yeah,
0: Lakeshore. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just mountains. It? it is. and Not but... just mountains. It's beautiful, but yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like, it's so hard to explain to bring into life without pictures, but honestly... The Sheer Landscape Banff itself is a small town in the heart of Banff National Park, and you're completely surrounded by mountains all around you type of thing. And as you walk down that kind of main strip where all the kind of bars and restaurants are and all the little like um, boutique shops and everything, it's just this beautiful postcard, perfect backdrop type of thing. And it's Mm -hmm. everything you imagine kind of the Canadian Rockies being. But then um, I had to stay at work, which I'm still bitter about. But Phil went up and done the gondolier to go up to the top of the mountains type of thing and had that amazing view going back lake louise as well now we did lake louise in may and it was still frozen the lake itself was but again just one of those moments where you probably have this when you travel somewhere and you get somewhere that's just Mm. so beautiful and awestruck that it just stops you in your path you're a bit like
1: yeah oh
0: this is special this is somewhere special lake louise adds me from the second i walked into it to the second i left i was like this is a special place it's beautiful now, when you go in the summer, you get to see the like the turquoise blue water on the lake as well and everything. We went in winter, so it was completely frozen, so we had a different type of beauty. It's just incredible. I, I'm desperate to go back there. As soon as we can afford to go back there, I will be doing probably the same trip again. Um, one of the group trip ideas we've got is to recreate that route and do the Rocky Mountaineer, do Ban, spend some time there, and then go off and do an Alaska cruise afterwards as well.
1: See, I'm saying that, but when I, w- I was like that at the Grand Canyon, that blew me away, but then it was hot there. So. <laughs> 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 but I'm sure I would love it if I was there because I loved the Norwegian yeah. fields when I was there. But then do I want to go back? No. Um, but it was beautiful. So I'd, get, I'd, I'd like to see that train, I think. I think that I'd find that interesting. Right. Okay. So we've done all this. We've got to the port. Is it a really big cruise port? Is it easy to navigate?
0: oh god it's probably one of the worst cruise terminals i have ever embarked oh. in and disembarked in honestly <laughs> like, uh, uh, awful experience type of thing and canada place if you are listening you need to sort your stuff out because it was terrible absolutely awful and i did say to phil like it's such a shame because this is probably one of those like bucket list once in a lifetime cruises type of thing it's they have to do it in canada place it's just shambles um, and a lot of this is as well, though. So I'd like to go back now that COVID is less of a thing because mm. we went literally, we were the second sailing post-COVID. So the second kind of big turnaround day and there were five ships going or from Canada Place, but it's like a rabbit warren. It was awful. You go into it and to drop your suitcases off, you've got to go down a floor. So you've got to navigate that, whether it's the lift or the escalators or stairs, take your suitcases, drop your suitcases off. Then you go in, go back into the front entrance, go through the one entrance then to then check into your cruise light. You then gotta go through a different entrance then to drop off your suit to do your security check. But then and I don't know if this was a COVID thing, but we went up a floor to go through the actual check-in process for the cruise line. But we then had to do all our immigration as well because obviously your flight, you're traveling from Canada, entering America, you had to do all your arrive can and all this other paperwork. Then once you've done that, you then go back through and check in again to your cruise after you've done all that paperwork. I was just like, it was a good two-hour process Bye. to go through all of that type of thing. And I was like, this is not a pleasant experience. And you're all in this, well, and bear in mind COVID, right? We're in a post-COVID world. We're all having to wear masks, but we're all in one giant hall All three cruise lines lined up together, getting frustrated and stressed out, being told to stand in this line, this line, this line. I was like, this ain't a nice experience. And I've read a few tweets post our trip where people have said similar things about Canada Place. It's just not very logically laid out. Once you're through that, though, wonderful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, well... But I'm trying to think where I'd... I, I know, it's Barcelona's got to, you've got to be the best one in the world, hasn't it? It's like you're in, you're on. Did you book a balcony cabin or an inside?
0: Yeah, we had a balcony cabin on the Conningstown and she is a beautiful ship. I think we've said so many times of, I don't think Holland America is our first choice of cruise line, but the ship is probably one of our favourite ships. And I don't mean that there's like, there's anything wrong with Holland America. We had a wonderful sailing um it's just for the type of things we look for on a cruise ship we like the slightly more younger demographic cruise lines type of thing where they've got a little bit more nightlife going on that suits us artwork on this ship was incredible type of thing and everywhere you look there's always something exciting to see the food was wonderful speciality dining was wonderful the drink service was wonderful i cannot fault kind of holland america as a cruise line and we would happily sail holland america again i have no negative feedback whatsoever there was a bit of a miscommunication about kind of availability of drinks which, from my understanding, in speaking to them post that cruise, it was a very much a process they put in place for COVID to close earlier than they usually do. So, mm-hmm. drink service stopped around about eleven o'clock, unless you wanted to go into the main bar. And we didn't want to; we were chatting to friends, type of thing. And obviously, you go to the main bar, where it's the the, the what were they doing? It's like a blues bar or um a rock bar, and it was like it's too loud; we mm-hmm. can't talk. We want to stay in the quiet lounge, like. And it was a policy they put in place during COVID to reduce the number of people they gathering mm-hmm. in places, but. I've heard that's not the case anymore and you right. can carry on drinking there until later in the day. So that was a bit of a bone of contention for a while with the first couple of nights, we were kind of going to bed at 11 o'clock, um, which if you've ever met me on a cruise ship, if I'm in bed before 11, <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> <It> <laughs> Same thing. Um, so that's my only complaint. It's just the nightlife isn't my cup of tea type thing. I do listen to like they've got a Rolling Stone rock bar on board. They've got a Billboard, Julian um, Pianos bar type of thing. It's just not my cup of tea entertainment wise. Um, but the ship is beautiful service was incredible mm. i can't fault holland america as a cruise line just the entertainment's not my cup of tea but there are many cruise lines i love where i don't love all the entertainment so that's not a negative thing yeah. to me that's just a personal preference but yeah we got on board it's a small ship she's about 2600 off the top of my head so she's not the biggest capacity ship type of thing but i like that about ship i like a ship that's kind of you know mid-sized type of thing she sails beautifully through alaska i don't know whether she was purposely built to sail the waters of alaska but she glides through that water honestly one of the smoothest sailings i've ever been on which i know is luck of the draw i've heard alaska can be the other way where it can be quite rocky but inside passage definitely is the calmer route. So. If you could find an itinerary that specifically states they're doing Inside Passage, then look for that.
1: Right. So is that is that like a definite thing? It's like, so what's the other one called? The other one's from Seattle. They
0: just kind of, well, it's the, you can just still, so so from Seattle, you can still get Inside Passage. It just tends to be Vancouver because the Inside Passage, it's weird to explain by the look at a map, but you kind of got the two different sides and some ships. And on our way out, we went out. We went out to kind of, and I don't know which ocean, as I should know this as a travel agent, but we went out to ocean type of thing on the way up. Mm-hmm. and then on the way back we did inside passage and inside passage sometimes like they call it scenic cruising right. so you're kind of closer to the mountains type of thing so on the way home we were doing um inside passage scenic cruising you can totally do that from Seattle it's just less common just because mm. where Vancouver port is it's right on the, at the entrance point basically to the inside passage route other than that you just kind of bypass the islands and you go out to ocean and then go into the kind of um What's the word? It's not like um. There's loads of little forks, I guess, where all the different like port towns are within the um Alaska Seven Night Bridge. You do basically the kind of south tip of Alaska that you tend to cruise. They're all in little fjords, a little kind of areas you kind of sail into.
1: So it does sound like a a version of the fjords almost. But
0: I've not done the fjords, but a lot of people who've done both have said they are similar in the kind of concept of you're going down these beautiful canyons like lined mountains type of thing um you're going into small little towns type of thing obviously culturally they're very different but um you are sailing it's a similar concept to sailing the fjords yeah. is what they say sailing kind of that like inside passage alaska is yeah
1: i mean it was beautiful don't get me wrong it was stunning it was just it was the constant drizzle that i didn't like it just <laughs> just constantly well it wouldn't be like that there would it is it more crisper and colder
0: you never know that's the thing and i was i was i think it maybe would have gone and it would have been drizzly it may have changed my enjoyment i don't know Mm. but when we went it was beautiful clear blue skies every single day literally though all the crew were telling us like this is unusual you are incredibly lucky there are maybe two weeks of the year where the weather's like (laughs) this so we were just incredibly lucky like they say sometimes you can't see the mountains so if anybody's watching this on youtube um i'll definitely try to have a little look anyway or check my instagram anyway because i've got pictures of this trip but we have like literally clear blue skies you can see all the mountains i have been told that some days you can go there and you can't even see the mountains so it is a bit like you're in alaska and you can't see alaska type of thing just because the weather pattern is so low and it's quite drizzly and it can be quite wet um so sod's law type of thing but we were incredibly lucky when we went back glacier bay especially was crystal clear and we could see everything
1: yeah i think you're convincing me (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: so cruise ports what cruise ports did you stop at how many did you stop at or what, what could you expect to stop at on a typical cruise three
0: ports and then glacier bay you don't get off in glacier bay it's scenic cruising right, okay. juno was the first port we went to and the other thing i will preface this by saying is we we are travel agents who was trying to survive through covid so when we booked this trip we were planning to be a big bucket this trip and we've got to go off and do whale watching or this that, and the other The reality, unfortunately, was by the time we were traveling, our excessive funds were very low by the time we actually went. So a lot of our plans got scaled back of extra things we were going to do outside of the main trip. So when we got to Juneau, we couldn't afford or we didn't book any excursions. And the one thing I will say in hindsight, and I wish I would have done, and I probably would have delayed the trip by another year to save up for excursions. A lot of the ports that you get dropped off to, they're beautiful and they're kind of frontier town America. There's a lot of history and culture to explore but that will get you through maybe a couple of hours.
1: Right.
0: Once you've done that, that's when you want to kind of then start going and maybe do a whale watching excursion, or maybe you want to go visit something or go see something more. The strategy that I usually have when we go to ports of just getting off and having a wander, you, I, I, in hindsight, don't think you can do that in Alaska. Right. Have a plan, book an excursion, have a plan, just because the towns, Juno especially, as I say, this dumping ground where you're literally, the ship's there and there's all these excursion desks and there's loads of things you can do. Like there's the famous Crab Shack that I can't remember the name of it, but right on the front, there's the famous like Alaskan King Crab Shack. So if you want to go and do things like that, you totally can. But we walked around Juneau and after about an hour, we were like, we have seen everything and we've seen every single shop and there are only so many Diamonds International and Tanzanite International you can walk past before you kind of go. I think we've exhausted everything Mm. Juneau has to offer. That being said, Chakan and Skagway were incredible some of my favorite ports i've ever been to um so again the vibe is very much on frontier america so these are kind of like frontier um founding lands of america kind of the gateway to kind of how they've gone off to then further expand out into um, alaska you got to kind of see a lot of history about kind of the turn of the century america and what it was like to kind of found these areas there's tons and tons of history and heritage as well to kind of the indigenous people of america as well so there's a lot of native american artwork there we got to go to a totem pole museum when we were in Ketchikan, which was a pain to find, but I'm so glad we went out of our way to find it. So we got to learn about the history of totem poles and the indigenous kind of tribes in the area as well, and how they've been kind of the, the, the crimes against them, I guess, and how they're still surviving now and working and surviving in those areas and all their heritage for their food and things like that. That was incredible to see that, because obviously that's something we don't have much connection to here in the UK. So to kind of go and see frontier america and to kind of see indigenous america firsthand and close up was incredible and i i loved seeing that side of kind of the alaska region and that's very much at the forefront in all the three ports we stopped off in america in alaska sorry it's just the ties to kind right. of
1: indigenous people and their history yeah I, d- I think that's really interesting and to see like you say it's like anywhere you go you're getting a glimpse aren't you of what what it was like and obviously you've got the museums and i do love that i do love finding out about read and yeah. Uh, you know the first thing I do is look for what museums are there and so I would find that really interesting so when you say about booking tours do they often cancel ports on these sailings because obviously Norwegian fjords it's known I
0: would imagine so but those three especially I'm not aware of it I don't have a big portfolio of customers that go so it's not like I've got people going every single week that I hear about it but I don't hear much about ports getting cancelled I would imagine they would because of weather but I think because these ports are quite um insulated because of the mountains i would guess that they kind of don't have a massive failure rate but like any port around the world didn't it you know weather's unpredictable type of thing and you probably would have issues sometimes getting in i've heard stories of like maybe the other ships the bigger ships where they can't get into the smaller ports they have to go to the larger ports type of thing then they may have more issues because obviously it's a bigger ship they're maneuvering Mm -hmm. i've heard of them having to skip certain glaciers or certain national parks because obviously um, the weather is a bit risky for them to get into those smaller kind of um, viewing areas, type of thing. So possibly, maybe the larger ships I've heard of it more of, but I'm not aware of anybody with Holland America or Princess on the kind of itinerary I did anyway, where that happens frequently enough anyway to be a concern.
1: Because uh, the only reason I'm asking is because obviously we're very much we advocate getting off the ship, spending money in port. But is that it's not always possible, is it? If there's a chance that your port might get cancelled and then you've got to book your no. your trips with the cruise line to guarantee that you're going to get a refund, right? Okay, and then. Did you see a while? Can you see him from the ship?
0: We did brief briefly, yes. Um, so one thing I will say what was great with us. So Glacier Bay, and there's another whole conversation about Glacier Bay, because it, it is incredible. Um, and it's kind of basically one part of the, the the Alaska region where you go into, basically. And it's a national park, so again, it's very much protected. Only two ships a day can go into it. So the day we went in, it was us and Princess. Um, and you go off and you go to sea. So we got to so see Marjorie Glacier and I should know the name of the other one, but I can't remember the name of the other glacier, basically. But they take the ship in. And it was so weird that morning when we woke up. We woke up and you could just see these little tiny flecks of ice just floating past the window. past Not past oh. the window, but past the ship type of thing. You're just like, we're heading towards glaciers. <laughs> Where's this ice coming from type of thing? Wow. But it was the most incredible thing. Waking up that day and having kind of breakfast in the buffet and just seeing chunks of ice sailing past <laughs> And bigger and bigger chunks of ice sailing past type of thing. And other people were claiming they could see otters and they could see all this other wildlife. I was like, I can't see a single thing. I don't know what's going on here. But we then kind of go up and they take you into kind of where this glacier is. And the ship then stops. And we're talking the ship barely moves anyway to go through this to take in the atmosphere as much as possible. And again, I've got videos on my YouTube, on my Instagram. Check them out. But the ship then stops and does kind of two 360 spins, right. basically, to rotate you around so you can take in the whole view around you of kind of when you're in the, this heart where this glacier is. And you can hear the, the I forget the technical term, I think it's sheafing or cracking, but you can hear the glacier crack and the ice slide off it type of thing. And this thing echoes around this whole valley that you're in. Um, but what they do is they actually bring on one of the park rangers, basically, who sets up in the crow's nest on board, um, on board Con- Conning's Dam, at least anyway, which is kind of the viewing platform of the front of the ship, which is indoor lounge. Um, and they give you a talk basically about kind of the wildlife, how the glaciers work, how much they grow, how much they sh- um, shrink each year. What well, wildlife, you can see, they point out wildlife where they spot it and everyone's looking. So everyone was pointing out all these otters that I swear to this day, I still never saw but we did see one whale tail briefly wow. type of thing. It was too early in the season. So we, we booked knowing it was too early in the season for kind of the core wildlife mm. season type of thing. It was too early. But all you could hear was just, ah, and everyone just running to the glass yeah. on the one side of the ship type of thing. But yeah, we got to see this um, whale tail kind of kick out of the water and then slash back down type of thing. And then we followed him briefly. You didn't see much more of him other than that one bit of the tail, which I do have on a video on my... um instagram and tiktok but then we just got to see like a little bit of him bobbing up every now and then as he was kind of sailing out then of the glacier kind yeah. of away from us type of thing so that was kind of cool to see that it's all potluck but if you go later in the season so seasonality is very important with alaska if you go kind of the beginning of the season you're going to see a lot of kind of the runoff of the mountains so the mountains are going to be like a defrosting type of thing um it's early in the year so wildlife is less prevalent it's just starting to wake up if you want to go for wildlife season, probably kind of like August, September time, right. just before the end of the season, that's going to be the peak time to kind of see as much wildlife as possible. And then you're going to be into kind of the autumn slash fall colors as well, then. So the landscape's going to look very different than it would mm. from when we went, where there was still a lot of snow on top of the mountain still.
1: So are the cruise ships causing any damage by going in, or is that why they're limiting them?
0: That's one of the reasons why they limit them, definitely. From an I, I'm not an expert, I would never claim to be an expert, but from the research I've done on it, Obviously, these newer ships as well, like the Conningstown, they're built in such a way that they reduce the amount of emissions they're going out. That's why they crawl. And literally, we crawled our way through the entire glacier bay to kind of obviously have a minimal impact. There's very few emissions on it type of thing. So these ships are more efficient than ever before. And it's also, and again, I don't know how much of this is kind of marketing, but... It is one of the reasons why they only limit it to two ships of a certain size. So the larger ships can't go into Glacier Bay. It's only ships of a certain size that can fit into it type thing or allowed into it just to make sure they have a minimal impact. And there's only so many a, a week that can go into it type of thing. So, like, I don't know how much of that is Holland America using that as kind of a bit of a marketing spiel as to why you should book with them to do Alaska because they're the ones who've got access to Glacier Bay. But there is another glacier as well called Dawes Glacier and Hubbard Glacier as well that the other ships go to as well that have equally the same restrictions on them. Right. You don't get as close as you do on Glacier Bay. You get quite close to the glacier um, when you are on, just down to the nature, of the size of the ship and everything. So there is a certain appeal of that. You do get closer than you would on maybe someone like Royal or Celebrity who go to the other glaciers but you still get to see a glacier either way.
1: Right, I see. So what was your highlight of the trip?
0: So much, definitely Glacier Bay. I can't express like how incredible it was just to kind of go out to Glacier Bay where you can hear kind of that ice cracking and see it kind of fall into the ocean and just have that sheer feeling of the wilderness. It feels like you're, obviously we know as well travel because the cruise ships go there, um, but it felt like we were remote and it felt as close to an exploration cruise as I've ever been on at that point type of thing. We're all out on the bow of the ship And um, they have hot chocolate, which you can obviously have if you want Baileys in it or rum in it type of things. You can get that hot chocolate on the bow of the ship, watching all these um, glaciers um, cracking and everything and wildlife spotting. That was incredible. That was worth every single penny to kind of go and sail that region. I also love, though, as well, kind of um, which was it was Ketchikan. Ketchikan was the last land port we did. And I think because it's probably the most, the closest to like frontier. So do you know when you go to like Walt Disney World and you see frontier lands yeah. and you see all kind of those like frontier buildings, there's a degree of Ketchikan that still has some right. of that. And again, I'm not claiming to be a cultural expert and know how much of it is set up for the tourists <laughs> yeah. and how much of it is genuine. Like these are um, preserved buildings. Mm. They say they are preserved buildings type of thing. But it was just wonderful to see that kind of frontier America hands and up close and see kind of all the old buildings still being kind of maintained and looked after that was really exciting to kind of see that and definitely skagway equally has all that it's all frontier turn of the center or turn of the um pioneering era of america type of thing and all those old brothel houses and hearing about all that culture and what it was like kind of as all the original founders were coming mm. in and exploring these places for the first time it felt like you were part of, or you were experiencing a part of history that we maybe don't get as easily to see here in the UK. So I loved all of that side of it. But then equally, you know, all these frontier towns, houses are equally, then Diamonds International and tacky Tourist shops and everything. Um, so it's that weird, like, juxtaposition of, like, these are really cool, you know, heritage buildings next door to a, you know, tacky Tourist spot where you can buy your Alaska socks at amazing made in China type of thing. <laughs> it was uh, very much that weird juxtaposition uh, yeah. in, um, when you go to Alaska.
1: I suppose you get that everywhere, don't you? It's like where is it? Um,
0: Absolutely in
1: Austria, where Mozart and he's where he where he was li- lived oh, was above a spa shop, and you think he'd be gutted. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like now, he's home is yeah. <laughs> like who allowed the spa shop to go there
0: it is isn't it it's this weird juxtaposition of kind of like um consumerism meets heritage and that's the only thing i can explain the whole of alaska felt like that the whole of it you've got these amazing frontier towns type of thing that are being preserved and keeping all the heritage and history alive of like the indigenous people and the frontier founders and all that type of stuff is very much at the forefront but it is equally a very commercialized area where there are tons of like uh, excursion factories. There's tons of restaurants, there's tons of shops and everything. And wrong, you can find loads of amazing local art. And we went out of our way to kind of look for, so we bought loads of Christmas tree decorations that were made out of like local woods. And there were local artists that decorated all the Christmas decorations with, you know, um, indigenous art and all that type of stuff. Like we went out of our way to find that. So you can totally find, you know, authentic local made produce equally as well um but it's very much yeah the two are right next door to each other
1: i suppose the thing is no matter what you buy you're putting into the local economy aren't you and i think that's really important Absolutely. to i always buy something in every port. we always stop for a drink sometimes something to eat um because i think it's important if you're going in on a ship you've got to spend money in the port. to so just go in and not spend money i just think is it's not on i, don't, I think you've got to support the community yeah. going into because they're the people that are putting up with cruise ship full of people coming in so Those small businesses need to be supported.
0: And I will say as well, like Alaska as a region depends on on the cruise industry. Mm. And I know we say this about most cruise ports type of thing, but being candid, nobody's going to these places because they're so remote and so difficult to get to by land. If you want to fly into them type of thing, Mm. nobody's going to go there for a, 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 you know, an overnight break type of thing. These are very difficult remote places to get to cruise is 100 the best way to see these ports type of thing if you do the more longer sailing so princess have a really great kind of land tour package where you kind of get to go and spend a little bit longer in port and you get to go to see more places type of thing and then you then get to go and do a land extension where you go to stay in their national park they have in denali as well which is on my bucket list to visit denali national park is stay in one of their kind of country lodges and do the proper like wildlife mm. excursion that is probably on my bucket list to do at some point in the next 10 years um but these regions depend on the tourism industry and i know there's that kind of cynical side where you kind of go it is because of tourism they depend on it but these regions are the backbone the tourism is the backbone of their economy kind of going and supporting the local museums like going and find the native american museum and going to spend money there instead to kind of support the museum is as you say it's so important to kind of maintaining the heritage and the only reason these heritage buildings are going to stay around is if they're if we're spending money there and supporting them, so totally no, I agree with you. It's 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 amazing to have that and see that yeah. next door to a Diamonds International.
1: <laughs> Do you know, I've never been into a Diamonds International ever? Haven't you? No, I don't plan to. Be I ever. haven't
0: either. And when we were on board Harland America, one of the guys who was from Canada made this joke, basically about like, oh yeah, no, you're about to see, you know, seventeen Diamonds International, and I was just like, there could be that many there? No, not at all. Honestly, we we went we found it a bit of a joke to take pictures of as many Diamond Internationals as we could while we were in Alaska. And I've got a couple of blinders where, again, you've got these beautiful, like, mountains Mm -hmm. behind you with these frontier buildings. And it's, like, six Diamond Internationals. But you've got Tanzanite International. You've got... um, I can't remember all the different stones, but there's every single stone International. But the best part is, as well, they take Princess Medallion inside as well. So it's one of them, like, you could use your cruise card to pay for the Chupri on land. Like, it is... It's a whole... Economy type of thing. It was just interesting to see
1: the only jewelry shop I've ever been in abroad is I think Tiffany there was once a Tiffany in one of the Caribbean ports.
0: It's because you're classy.
1: <laughs> just got expensive taste. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think that's it. I'm...
0: Yeah, I avoided every single diamond store. I, I was like, definitely not this trip.
1: But yeah, I'm, pr- I'm probably when I'm in Port, not looking to shop. I'm looking for somewhere to sit and watch people mm. watch, and maybe have a glass of wine yeah. and, and and explore. And that's my it just shows up. You notice different things, don't you?
0: I probably wouldn't have noticed the Diamonds International thing if it wasn't pointed out to me. But once it was pointed out, I couldn't unsee it then. Basically, everywhere we went, every single pool we went to, it just became spot Diamonds mm. International, Tanzanite International. It is excessive, in my opinion. There are too many. Right. Like How many diamonds yeah. are people buying in Alaska? Um, but that doesn't mean you can't find like authentic stores. Like We found this, like I say, Christmas. We're terrible for buying Christmas decorations when we go away. We found so many beautiful gift shops that were kind of local artisans mm. who were selling local arts, local um haberdashery things like that like we'd never get half this stuff back home to the uk so we always buy a bauble but we've got some beautiful handmade baubles mm. by local artists type of thing um so you can find that local cuisine as well like obviously fish king crab alaska mm-hmm. king crab they're all very much like at the forefront of alaska cuisine so you can get that a on the ship as well we had it on the cruise ship but equally as well when you get off on land you can go off and explore all these local bars and restaurants that have all that right. food and tours enrichment programs you can find all that quite easily But I would just, yeah, my biggest tip to myself, if I was to do it again, would be have more money to spend on excursions to do more when we get off the ship.
1: And what sort of excursions can you do? I mean, obviously, we talked about whale watching. What else is on offer?
0: Um, So a lot of it is going to be going out and seeing the other glaciers as well. So you can do kind of lots of small boats then. So you obviously get off the ship and you go off on the boats to get closer to the glaciers than you would on the, the, the cruise liners, ultimately. So there's a lot of that type of thing, a lot of connections to the ocean, going out and doing wildlife reserves, things like that. Uh, one that I wish we would have done and we could have paid for ourselves, but again, we didn't get to do it was in Skagway. You get to do the train up through the mountains and friends of ours we made on that cruise did and shared their pictures. I was kicking myself that we didn't prioritize it more. was um, a beautiful kind of train. And again, it's very much kind of you go up into the mountains and get all the views looking down over the mountains type of thing. And obviously we were there in snow season. So they were all like lined with snow and everything. Mm-hmm. I was kicking myself that we didn't do that. Um, so that was an incredible one. Then in, uh, where were they? In Ketchikan, there's the loggers. Um, so you may have seen, if ever you watch a documentary about Alaska, guaranteed the loggers come out. So literally right by the cruise terminal, there is a show. Yeah. And we didn't do it because we missed the slot, basically. we By the time we got off the ship, because we are unfortunately working when we're away. By the time we got off the ship, we missed the slot to book in to go to the loggers. But it was the one thing we were going to do. Um, But there's this whole logging show, basically, whereby you sit in the auditorium and you've got kind of the local lumberjacks and they do the log rolling on the water. They're having the cutting contest, they're climbing logs, all that type of stuff. So that would have been cool to see as well. And I know people on the ship who did it, that was a lot of fun. So there's lots of small things that aren't extortionate to kind of do locally type of thing. But yeah, I'm just kicking myself that we didn't have a bigger pot of money yeah. to make sure we spent money to put into that type of thing it's, it's just more so than most regions like whenever i've done the Med or i've done the caribbean you can probably make do mm. by getting off the ship for a couple of hours and finding a bar or a restaurant to kind of sit in and people watch you can still do that in alaska but i think you're not really benefiting from being in alaska yeah. by just bodding around the town type of thing definitely go with the mindset of even if it's on one of the ports that you've just got a pot of money. Mm. And I would say on the inside passage for the ports we did, Juno more than others would be the one port where I would say spend money to do something else. Right. Don't just get off and explore Juno because there's not much to do. Skagway and Ketchikan, you probably could. And we did, we filled a day. We could have done more, but we filled a day just popping around, going into shops and, you know, having a wander around and checking up the local buildings. But again, we would have got a lot more out of our trip if we would have spent money to do excursions.
1: Yeah, and I suppose the difference is like when we're in the Caribbean, we get, we get off, we plan a certain amount of time to go off and see something, but then I want to get back on the ship to chill out as well. But, You've no rush to get back, really, have you? Because you're not going to do that. So you might as well make the most of your time and just do as much as possible. Is there anything like hiking? Like, do they do all stuff like that?
0: I'm sure there was. If there was, I have a mental aversion to kind of spotting it. But I know friends (laughs) of ours like they hired a four by four and they went off driving up to the mountains and they saw. They say they shared their video of a bear that they spotted. So they saw a bear kind of up close and personal that was just chilling on the kind of path on the side. Um, So they they did loads like I lived vicariously through them basically these guys we met on on them on the ship but they went off and did like their own private tour type of thing they went off and saw one of the other glaciers that you can get to by car they did kayaking um, on one of the I think it was it wasn't Lake Louise not Glacier Bay sorry it was one of the anyway they went out kayaking one day um and they were moaning about it They were like it's too cold i don't want to go out and do it but they said they had the best time ever because obviously you're going out and you see a wildlife up close and personal type of thing so they loved it and they definitely did it the way that i would probably do it next time of i would just bite the bullet and pay for the cruise excursions or arrange excursions separately just because you are gonna see so much more of alaska
1: so is there a chance if you're kayaking that a whale's just gonna knock you off like seriously could that happen?
0: I guess, like anything, isn't it? <laughs> you see
1: those TikToks, don't you, where someone's on a on a, in a thing and a wow goes underneath and you think, oh, oh my God.
0: <laughs> I'd
1: like to see foxes.
0: I don't know. Like the time of year we went was the wrong time of the year for kind of wildlife. So I don't know how easy it is to see any of this stuff. We saw very little. And I was a little bit miffed because we saw like the, we saw the bum of a bear running into the woods when we were on the rocky mountaineer we saw loads of like birds birds we saw loads of and like i say we saw that whale tail and apparently according That's to fun. the people we were with we saw otters <laughs> in the water but i don't remember seeing a single otter uh, but apparently we saw thousands of otters in in this in glacier bay and in the various oceans or the regions we were sailing sorry but i don't recall seeing one but i've heard other people who've gone and they were like oh you can you see loads i saw this i saw this so it is purely based on the season when you go yeah. and of how much wildlife you're likely to see um, I couldn't tell you how close to whales you get my understanding is you do get quite close but it's all pure luck and random luck of the draw type of thing of just does there happen to be a whale where you are at that time of yeah. they like
1: I mean it must be incredible but I don't think I'd want to get too near I want to see him from a distance and then I've got a whole thing which you know of like yeah. I like animals of the wildlife and I don't want to get too near anyway I'd like to look at them from a distance just just from a point of view to give them their freedom and not go near them. But, um, yeah, I think I'd love to see it. I'd love to. So do they have, like, their whole thing of we've got the North – like, obviously, Santa lives in the North Pole, and he still he still lives in the North Pole there, doesn't he? <laughs> it's not like – like, they've not made Alaska into this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, is that a Europe? No, I don't Is that a European thing or is it do Americans? What do you feel... mean like is it sen- is Santa's in the North Pole?
0: Yeah, at least Santa still lives in the North Pole type of thing, but yeah, <laughs> definitely the North Pole. I don't think they think Santa lives in I could be wrong. I could and be not. wrong, but yeah. I don't I don't recall anyone saying Santa lives in Alaska, like or is it <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not like he's not hanging out in Anchorage type of no, thing yeah. in his in his summer retirement home that I'm aware of. Like i Kentucky it didn't come up, but <laughs> definitely you see more I get, I get where you're getting to, like, is there an assumption of it being, you know, but it doesn't, the season tends to be from May until at the very, very latest, like early October, so that is, or kind of late April to early October is Alaska season, so you're only really going to find ocean liners sailing in that period, right. the rest of the year is going to be exploration ships, and they're going to be the really small kind of adventure ships going off, so... That is when the weather's the best for kind of ocean leisure cruising. If you're going outside of that season, it's because you are intentionally going for exploration purposes. So, you know, it's not a Christmas, it's not a winter sailing region. It's very much a summer sailing region type of thing. Um, So, yeah, you're not going to be going and having kind of the Christmas wonderland in Alaska type of thing. I get it would be beautiful for it, but my understanding is the weather is so harsh. Yeah. It's just not very pleasant to do on a leisure cruise experience.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I suppose the North Pole still the same distance isn't it for americans i'm just thinking you know like i've got friends that are going to the north pole next week and you think is it as easy for americans to get to the north pole nothing to do with alaska but just a genuine question for
0: i don't think so not what we call lapland anyway because right. lapland is going this is welcome welcome to a tangent with magical <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, while <we're> snow <laughs> 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 but Lapland generally what we call Lapland anyway or what we refer to as Santa's Lapland is obviously Finland's like the northern tip of kind of the arctic circle um uh, that's about well, the southern end of the arctic circle so what we would call kind of Santa's Lapland isn't actually in the north pole um it's kind of the northern tip of um Sweden Finland that oh, right, territory here. type so of that's... thing so when you're looking at kind of the arctic circle then I I'm I... it's that age old debate doesn't it where does Santa come from obviously the north pole but Santa's Lapland is actually in kind of the Nordics territory not actually in the Arctic circle. Um it's adjacent to the Arctic circle. So it's one of those like what do you believe?
1: Yeah, so um, this is my point if an American person would kindly answer and pull me out of my misery like when you're taking your children to see Santa <laughs> where do you take him? That's what I want to know. Do you still go to Lapland? Is there or is there another Lapland somewhere? <laughs> Because otherwise, it, it's a long way, isn't it?
0: I wonder. Actually, I, I get where you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Alaska is miles away from what we call Santa's Lapland, yeah. anyway. Miles away. I think it would be, it wouldn't be something that you'd be popping to type of thing. Uh You're talking halfway around the world type of thing to get to what we call Santa's Lapland, anyway, in the UK. Or we don't call it the North Pole, do we? But it is. We we do. But uh, this is such a loaded topic, isn't it? Really, of like
1: my friend's children think they're going to the North Pole. Yeah, that because that's what we tell our kids do
0: you get me that's the thing like yeah we say it's the north pole but but the place people go to on holiday to the north pole is actually kind of yeah the the lower end of the arctic circle so it's kind of finland norway territory
1: which is what i want to know is there an american north pole
0: (laughs) i get what you're saying now i didn't get where i didn't get where you again is
1: she okay (laughs) are you okay sarah
0: (laughs) do you need a (laughs) race?
1: (laughs) Sorry, I'm just... (laughs) Do you know what? All I'm doing at the moment on mini-travellers, for anybody, I've spent a lot of time looking at where Santa is in different cities around the UK, and I think it's just got into my brain. It's just ingrained into my brain. (laughs) I can tell you how much easier to visit Santa Santa at um, Harrods and... Just bonkers what people are spending on it, by the way. Anyway, I digress. So you can't see Santa in Alaska.
0: I would be shocked to see Santa in Alaska because, like I say, (laughs) just down to the season that it is. Unless Santa's on his summer holidays in Alaska, that's the only way I could see you would ever expect to see him. They have tons of Christmas shops. Like me and Phil could give you a very intimate um, diary of every single like Christmas shop in the Alaska region on the Inside Passage route at least. Anyway, because we went to every one of them looking for the more authentic kind of local cool. artisan baubles this was a funny one as well so when we were on the Rocky Mountain we asked about buying a Rocky Mountain bauble and you would have thought we were speaking a totally different language because bauble doesn't exist at least in Canadian um English they were like what what's a bauble <laughs> we had to have this whole like dialogue and they thought we were crazy <laughs> so what is it
1: called then? Christmas decoration oh <laughs> it's <just> a Christmas <laughs> yeah. decoration
0: but, yeah the word bauble threw them through a loop and they just didn't get it and it was a Christmas decoration um so if anyone's wondering what I mean when i be saying bauble the entire episode if you don't use that in your American English um Christmas decoration
1: what was it I did when I was at Disney I once asked for the pudding menu <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> and... oh it's a chocolate pudding and it? it's the only thing yeah, that is no, pudding no, in America <laughs> you got
1: the pudding menu and I don't even say pudding usually I don't know why I'd say dessert but Chris and the boys were crying because this woman was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the <a> dessert? Oh. <laughs> I do think we say funny words that I remember friends don't always get. the just some of the stuff that we say. Yeah.
0: There's um, a whole episode and it sounds yeah, it like funny is Pack, isn't it? It's the other one. I've
1: just done um, an article on this and well, I've done like, things in it. Things that people say in London that Americans really need to understand. So, what was one of them? Um, it's just, I was crying when I was writing it, was so funny. So, if someone says, sorted, sorted. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's like that that means that, that they are organized, and, but, or they've they planned something. But yeah, just the whole difference in languages sometimes, even though we speak the same language, we also speak to completely yeah. different languages, which is wonderful. Very different. Yeah. But also, at times, could be so confusing.
0: I think that that is, though, like a really important thing for people to be aware of. If you are in the UK, listen to this and you're thinking of sailing in Alaska. It is a predominantly American cruise route um, because obviously it's connection to Seattle and also to Vancouver. You are going to find you are going to be in the vast majority, like five, 10 percent of I'd say five at a push. Of the population on board So again you are going to be navigating A lot of those Americanisms A lot of those American terms type of thing By its nature Because of how difficult it is For people in the UK to get to a Very American heavy Whereas equally the fjords Is going to be very British heavy Because it's on our doorstep To get to type of thing It's kind of a cheap cruise for us In the UK isn't it To go yeah. see the fjords Whereas for Americans I, From my understanding Speaking to the Americans We was sharing the cruise with It's kind of the equivalent of the fjords It's easy for them to get to It's easy for them Bye. to sail Because it's a lot closer for them to get to so some of like the guys we were with they do alaska every year they sail every year because they live in vancouver it's on their doorstep and it's their bread and butter cruise routes whereas for us it's that bucket list once every yeah. five ten years yeah. if you're lucky you may do it
1: and i think i'd like that because i think my one as you know my one thing with that cruise was it was just too british and while i am british i like that's why i like going out of barcelona or miami because
0: yeah i like to have yeah. a mix
1: of international people and I think that makes travel more exciting. So to go on holiday with everyone that's British, I might as well just go mm-hmm. to Centre Parks, which I like. But
0: I'm kicking myself now that I didn't cotton onto it. But the fact that you could could have up until next year anyway now, then um, Celebrity Apex sailing from Amsterdam, but going up to the Norwegian Fjords from Amsterdam. Rather than doing silhouette from the UK, and as you mentioned about the demographic, you would have had a very different demographic yeah. on board because it would be primarily Americans on board yeah. sailing from Amsterdam. Now Apex is sailing from Southampton, so now it's going to be primarily, and we'll see with celebrity because celebrity has a big, you know, UK flight mm. people flying into the UK to sail on celebrity. But it'd be interesting to see like how much the demographic yeah. changes now having Apex sailing. So I would love to do Apex doing the Norwegian Fjords, but I'm like. Maybe I should the because it. it's longer as well. Because yeah. her nature would come from Amsterdam, she would be sailing for longer to get there. Anyway, I am going off on a tangent. You have to ask me where that comes from.
1: I love being British. I'm proud to be British. But when I travel, I want to meet people of other nationalities because otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Because I, otherwise, I'm not learning anything new, am I? So that's my take on it anyway. Um, so I'd quite like Alaska for that. I think
0: it feels like a holiday more though, doesn't it? Like when you are with other people from another country, it feels like you're on holiday. Whereas like, and I get it because for some people, the appeal of sailing with like British comforts and sailing kind of on a British cruise line that understands like how British people travel, that is the comfort for them. And they're not on holiday unless they're in that little kind of lovely bubble of being a British traveler type of thing. I'm the total opposite. I love it when I'm not in that little British bubble. It feels like more of a holiday. If I'm, you know, having American bre- bacon, if, I, if I'm if i having, you know, um, pancakes and bacon for breakfast type of thing, I feel like it's a holiday. Then it's a really weird subconscious thing for me that I I feel more like yeah. I'm on holiday if all of a sudden I'm not dealing with like a full English breakfast. Yeah. And I'm having American breakfast yeah. and it's a really subtle difference type of thing. But I love that. So that's why I think I gravitate personally to the American cruise lines and why I'd be more than happy to, as you say, like maybe fly to Amsterdam to do a, a cruise. Know when I was getting the American experience or the American cruise line experience because then I know it's a holiday. Yeah. it's a really stupid subconscious thing. Whereas some people absolutely love the fact they can get to Southampton. They don't have to worry about flying, and then they know they're going to get their Sunday roast. They're going to get their roast dinner type of thing. They're going to get you know English fry up on board, and they're going to get Tetley bitter and all that type. But they love that, and I. I think it's fantastic that we have that choice Mm, definitely definitely. on our doorstep anyway to do that. So, guys, I hope you've enjoyed that. It is very much a top level kind of um, dive into Alaska. Alaska is such an incredible region and there is so much to talk about, about just the different lines and what they all all offer type of thing and the different routes available to you. Um, We're only just starting to explore Alaska. But if you are interested in learning a bit more about kind of the trip I did, then definitely check out my website. I've got my trip report blogs that I've started I'm up to the Rocky Mountaineer. I haven't yet started my Alaska actual cruise, um, but definitely hunt me down online. Or if you're interested in booking an Alaska cruise or chatting more about it, then hunt me down. You can find me online under magical travelercom or all social media under magical TRVLR. And then Sarah, I know you've got a ton of information on your website as well about cruising. Where's the best place guys can find that?
1: Yep, so you can find information about most of the cruise ships that you're going to research. Not so much Alaska because we haven't done it. And you'll find that at cruisingwithkids and cruisingforall.com.
0: And with that, guys, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please do leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love it if you could subscribe and give us a like as well. It just lets those two platforms know that you're enjoying this and it would recommend it to other people. Other than that, all the best, and see you on the next one. Bye.
1: Bye. Oh, and put me out of my misery and <laughs> tell me where Santa is. <laughs> where American stuff. <stars laughs> Bugging me now. I'm going to Google it.